This is the Soul Power Podcast with your hosts, Angela Jordan and Cheryl Burt. Welcome to the Soul Power Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Jordan. And I'm your host, Cheryl Burke. Thanks for joining us. Today on the Soul Power Podcast, we are talking about fun stuff as we normally do. Today, it is about trusting yourself. Last time we talked a little bit about using your intuition and getting in tune with your intuition. And this is really the second part of that discussion. And it's about trusting yourself and different tactics that you can use to trust yourself more and um, get in a place where you have a lot of confidence and um, not a lot of worry, hopefully. <laughs> As we Always move. a good thing. Yeah. Always a good thing. And we Absolutely. thought this would be an excellent partner to the intuition piece. Um, you might use one, you might use both. My guess is you'll use both in some yeah. capacity. So I'm excited about this one. I really am. I am too. I'm excited about this one um, because it's very relatable and the solutions are great. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I rarely find an article that has everything in it. I did research last week to try and um, even though I have some materials of my own on trusting yourself, I always try to look up, you know, what's new, who, what, what people are saying out there. And I found this great article, psychologist and founder of the friendly mind, which is a weekly newsletter about emotional health and well-being. So I think he probably knows his stuff. Seems like he does. Um, I mean, just from his bio alone, it sounds like he knows his stuff. But then you read the article and you're like, I think this guy actually knows what he's talking about. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm excited to share. I'm going to assume Dr. Wignall's. Yeah, I um, think so. Ideas and solutions, because I think that um, some of them were things I hadn't heard before or thought about before. So I think this will be fun. Yeah, I agree. And of course, you know, we had need to cite our sources because people do work and they need to be credited for such Absolutely. Work. <laughs> Absolutely. And as a writer and editor, I want to make sure I always give the sources in my articles. I do not plagiarize or take other people's no, stuff no, without no, no. giving them full credit. Amplify, yes. Plagiarize, no. No, never, 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 never. So... Nick says in his eight simple ways to trust yourself more, number one is eliminate reassurance seeking. So for those of you who are not sure exactly what that is, it's asking people for reassurance to make sure that they have done the right thing. So for instance, I sent out an email to a group of people who uh, I work with about two weeks ago and I had to express some disappointment in the email and I'm not super excited about that. I'm not super excited about telling people I'm disappointed in something that they did. So after I sent the email, I contacted Cheryl actually and said, Hey, what's your take on this email? And that can be reassurance seeking 
but I wrote the email first and sent it out. And I just wanted to get Cheryl's take on it. Mm -hmm. If I was really struggling writing that email and just could not get through it and called Cheryl halfway through it. And I just, am not sure how I want to phrase this. Can you help me with it? Mm -hmm. I need your reassurance before I send it out. That's reassurance seeking. Mm -hmm. And it's basically not trusting yourself and not trusting that you are doing the right thing. And it's different than um, partnering with somebody that you bounce ideas off of. And occasionally you're like, listen, this is really important to me. This is the point I'm trying to get across. I'd love to help your help wordsmithing. It. Mm -hmm. That's a little different than can I say this? Am I allowed to say this? Are my feelings valid? That's yeah. really the reinsurance that that we're worried about here is that interesting that I use the word worry. Um, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> where you want to be careful about not valuing the way that you feel as much as you value the way mm -hmm. other people feel. Exactly. Exactly. And therefore you are seeking reassurance that, um, is it okay that I'm upset about this? Mm -hmm. Is it okay that, you know, I let somebody know about this? Is it okay? Is it okay? Uh, so just, just have a look at, at how you manage things in your life mm -hmm. and see if this is something that you, that you do deal with. So when you get into the habit of constantly asking other people to reassure you and make you feel better and make sure that you're entitled to your feelings, you are teaching your brain that you can't handle feeling bad. Mm -hmm. That was hard. To yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, bad. I can't, I can't do hard yeah. things. Okay. Well, I mean, if you look back on your life, you can though, can't you? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we do hard things because we have no choice, mm -hmm. but sometimes, but we actually have that gear. We just have to remember to use it. Yeah. And it's okay to feel bad. You know, it passes. You're not mm -hmm. going to die from it. No. Um, so Cheryl and I were just emotionally feeling bad, physically feeling bad may require a doctor. Yeah, well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Emotionally feeling bad is temporary and it's not going to kill you. Physically feeling bad, please, please seek yes, medical attention if you need it. Please get yourself checked out. Absolutely. So before we started this podcast, we were talking about emotional labor. And I have never yes. heard that phrase. Mm -hmm. And it is mentioned in this article. Yes. So it says, you know, when you get into the habit of asking other people, you're teaching your brain that you can't handle feeling bad. In a sense, you're outsourcing emotional labor onto other people. Yes. You're asking other people to help you calm your own nervous system. Mm -hmm. And help you regulate your own emotions. Emotional labor. It's interesting that you um <laughs> that you'd not heard this because this is this is a phrase that is used in in my home a lot. Actually, my <laughs> husband and I talk about emotional labor a lot. Uh, not usually. Actually, I don't know if it's ever been between us, but a, in our respective orbits outside the home. All right. It's it's very interesting to to me that that this is something that's come up so frequently in conversation, <laughs> and it's number one here. And yeah, and I have never heard the phrase until today. You said it first, and then I read it. I read it again in the article. So that's a great phrase. 
It really it is. is emotional it is. labor and you're outsourcing it onto other people. Mm-hmm. That's saying a lot. That's saying, yeah. you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to feel uncomfortable about this. Make me feel better. I'm going to put this on you to help make me feel better. And the reverse of it, of course, is taking on other people's emotional labor um, when you don't have strong boundaries. Remember, we love boundaries so much. We did a three-part uh, series on them. <laughs> and boundaries come up in this. And boundaries come up in this one. That's why I'm going to stop talking about them. <laughs> Let's not get ahead of ourselves. In case you were wondering, we like boundaries. We like boundaries. We like talking about them. They're important more important in in your life than you think and mm-hmm. way more important in your business mm-hmm. yeah. and obviously we want you to trust yourself more because you run a business by yourself and you have to rely on yourself more than you might have expected mm-hmm. before you started this mm-hmm. that's okay what we're telling you is you can totally do this yeah hard stuff and all hard stuff and all so what is the solution to eliminating reassurance? seeking. The solution is to start to resist the urge to use other people to help you feel better and start to acknowledge and confront difficult emotions like fear and anxiety on your own. The older I've gotten and the more I've learned, the more I truly believe that all of our, there's really not good and bad emotions. I mean, they feel better or worse for sure, but they're all there to teach you something. They're all information. And if you can re- start to reframe it a little bit like that, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to say, okay, I'm really anxious. Why? Why am I anxious? Mm-hmm. What is it about this particular situation that is bothering me? And you can dive into it a little bit and figure out what it is that you're that you're trying to avoid um, or what are you fearful of? And again, this is situational anxiety, not, you know, clinical anxiety. The same differentiation we've made in other podcasts Mm -hmm. are not medical professionals. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So please, if if that's what you're dealing with, that's different. Um, But if you're talking about like a situational anxiety or a fear of doing a particular Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. or saying a particular thing, you want to be careful uh, there. I know for myself with anxiety, you know, in the past, I had always treated anxiety as something to kind of push away. Oh, I'm feeling anxious. No, I'm not feeling anxious. I'm fine. I can get through this really trying to push through and not recognize the emotional part of it and Mm -hmm. not recognize the anxiety that I was feeling. And finally I started acknowledging the anxiety. Okay. I'm feeling anxious about this situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I'm feeling anxious, but I'm going to go in and I'm going to do the best I can. And I'm going to, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And that helps me so much. It seems like when you deny the anxiety and know it's not there and I'm going to muscle through, it makes it so much worse than just, okay. I'm feeling some anxiety. That's totally normal, but I'm going to do my best anyway. You'll probably only feel that situational anxiety surrounding things that actually matter to you. Mm -hmm. If you don't care about whatever is going on in that room that you're about to walk into, 
you're probably not going to be anxious. The fact that you are means you you have a vested interest Mm -hmm. in how this goes. But as Angela just said, the best thing you can do every day is give your best effort. And sometimes your best effort is moving mountains. And sometimes your best effort is going in to a room full of people you don't know and having, you know, two or three great conversations or giving your best effort on that stage while you're giving a keynote speech. Now you're probably not going into that one cold. If you go in with a plan, <laughs> you probably are in, a, in better shape anyway, walking into a room full of people you don't know. And you know how we like to have our plans when we do those, mm-hmm. when we do walk into those rooms, mm-hmm. especially as our friend Denise always tells us, if you, you don't have to stay forever, have a plan, do your thing and go. <laughs> right. Um, you know, you can, you can be in charge of your time and how you're going to manage it. So. Indeed. So number two on this list, yes, we're still really only at number two. I know we've said a lot about the first one, but I'll rein it in folks. Number two. Oh, no, no, no. It's all good. It's, <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to rein it in. So the second tip is to express yourself assertively. Like Angela just did. She doesn't want me to rein it in. <laughs> right. I don't want you to rein it in. Not aggressively. But assertively, yes, in a confident way that's direct and authentic. So we struggle to express ourselves sometimes. I think we all struggle to express ourselves. But when we speak up and we make ourselves a little, a little bit vulnerable and we're direct and we're genuine about it, people typically understand and they typically get it. When you put aside your own wants and needs because you're afraid of how other people will feel. You're teaching your own brain that what you want is less important than how other people feel. And are you really less important than other people? No. Now you may have been taught that you were, (laughs) you may believe that you are, but you're not. So, so let's say you have a good idea during a meeting and you don't want to share it because you're afraid other people will think it's a dumb idea. How many times have we all done this in a classroom, in a meeting, at work, at home? You're worried that you're going to be seen as stupid or that you're going to hurt someone's feelings. And again, you're teaching your own brain that what you want is less important than how other people feel about it, Mm -hmm. which is not true. What's the solution to this? Being more assertive. (laughs) I know that sounds very easy, easy, you know, it's easier said than done, but be assertive, ask for what you want in a direct and genuine way. I think that people will be more receptive when you're direct and you're authentic. Yes. And if you really want to trust yourself more and feel confident, practice, 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 practice expressing yourself assertively. Mm -hmm. And assertively means don't couch everything you say. Well, I was thinking, (laughs) I don't know if this is a good idea, but, you know, maybe we could. No, here's what I'm thinking. And this is why. See the difference? Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't have to be so loud. I was loud there for a minute. Um, fine. Women in particular seem to soften their message mm-hmm. and it's socially acceptable 
and it's trained into a lot of folks, but it does not help your message. No. Because what everybody hears is, I'm not sure of myself. I don't know that this is a good idea. You probably aren't going to think this is a good idea. Never mind. It's not a good idea, but I'm going to say it anyway because I'm all the way through the sentence. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. So that's not going to get us anywhere. (laughs) I mean, it might, but it's probably not going to get us anywhere. So practice. If you know that you're going to go into a meeting and you're going to have to say something that people don't want to hear, practice. Figure out how you want to say it. As we talked about in the in one of the boundaries episodes and it, the example I just gave, I think this is what we should do and this is why. Remember the why part mm-hmm. is important because it's not just this is what I think we should do <laughs> and you should listen to me because I'm smarter than you. That's not what you're saying. I mean, you might be smarter than them, Um, (laughs) but that's not where we're going. Probably are. Um, What we're, where we're going with this is you have reasons why I've been in many, many meetings where I was the one that did not have doctor in front of my name. Thank you very much. Um, And I was the one telling them all, we can't do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We can't. Mm -hmm. And this is why, because Everybody comes into that meeting from a different point of view with a different set of skills. There's a reason you're all in the same room together. If you are, we're all doing the exact same job. Why? Why would it matter? (laughs) If you're in a room together to make a decision, there's a reason. Yeah. I'm also a big believer in putting all the leaders in the same room at the same time, um, just to make sure that everything gets done correctly, Mm -hmm. but, or not correctly, efficiently. We see it holistically, all of that. Mm -hmm. So if you have to be the one that says, yeah, that's not going to happen, then you have your reasons. Yeah. Share them. Yeah. So the third tip is to keep a self-gratitude diary. And this is good for so many reasons to keep a self-gratitude diary. Um, It changes your mindset. It actually changes your mindset from a negative one to more of a positive one. It actually, it really does work. Nick points out in the article that something he's noticed about people who struggle to trust themselves, they're also not very good at appreciating themselves either. You probably know people who are very good at appreciating themselves. And when you give them compliments, they might, you know, poo-poo them or, oh, well, it was a group effort. We all did it. And yeah, um, they it's I, I have I still to this day um, surprise people by saying thank you and no qualifying, no explaining away, no mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. Here's, here's my plug for Warner Brothers. If you haven't seen the Barbie movie, go. This actually <laughs> comes up. <laughs> does it really? It does. Oh, that's funny. I, I've yet to see the Barbie movie. I feel like the only one in the world who hasn't seen it. I did I'm see. I'm sure that you're not the only one in the world. Um <laughs> positive of that but uh yes i think it is worth the investment of time oh i love it i love it so i am raising a young woman so you know oh yeah (laughs) yeah no kidding so how can you expect to build confidence and trust yourself more if you don't take the time to reflect on your own wins and successes ding 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 Mm -hmm. bingo we've hit something here absolutely Many of us, especially here in the Midwest, are taught to have a humility. You're not supposed to brag about things because that's being haughty. 
and that's um, being condescending. So it's very easy to poo-poo all of those nice compliments, but take them. You did the work. Thank you. I appreciate it. I hadn't heard of a self-gratitude diary before. I've heard of gratitude diaries Mm -hmm. and you may have a journal and if you write in your journal on a regular basis um you probably track some of your wins here and there but they're harder to find and look back on Mm -hmm. in a journal where it just I don't know about you but mine are all like stream of consciousness and literally anything (laughs) can be on that page which is helpful for me truthfully um but if I want to look back at wins they're harder to find because they're in and among the rest of the life Mm mm-hmm so having a self-gratitude diary puts it all in one spot and it's easier to find, especially if you're having kind of a rough day or you're like, I got to go do a thing. I'm not super excited about it, but I know I can do the thing and I'd like to help myself buck up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it might be a little bit easier to not might. It would be a little bit easier to find it that way. Yeah. You know, Cheryl and I both went through the same coaching program and I remember going through the coaching program and hearing for the first time that it's okay to play big and it's okay to say that you're good at things and it's okay to like yourself and it's okay to appreciate yourself. And that was very eye-opening for me. Oh, okay. I can do that. Okay. It's not considered boastful. All right. Well, I'll do it then. There is a line where every conversation somehow manages to make its way back to how awesome you are. You <laughs> might want to not cross that line. Right. Um, but saying thank you and taking credit for the hard work that you do, do that mm-hmm. every day that we do that. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So on to number four, and that is, this is, <laughs> this is one that I struggle with quite a bit. So I need to heed my own words as I'm reading this. Number four is to rein in your chronic worry. Yes, rein in your chronic worry. Mm -hmm. If you're constantly worrying about terrible things happening, you're going to develop an overly negative picture of the future. Yes. (laughs) Have done in the past. Mm Mm-hmm. And if your vision of the future is awful things, well, it's not not very easy to be confident and trust yourself about the future then, is it? No, because if you're 100% sure that everything's going to go wrong, then no matter what decision you make, it's the wrong decision. And you've let yourself down and see, it, it went terribly. See, I can't be trusted. It's a terrible spiral. It is. What you can do is if you're worried that something terrible is going to happen health-wise in 20 years, today what you can do is make different choices. Mm -hmm. Choices that actually are helpful for you. And I don't know your health situation, so I'm going to let you decide what those are. And again, when we talk about chronic worry, we're not necessarily talking about generalized anxiety disorder. That's, you know, that's a different thing and you should definitely see a psychiatrist or your uh, general practitioner about that. This is just worrying that bad things are going to happen, worrying about a project, worrying about how something's going to go in the future. 
it's just more generalized worrying, which I do a lot of. So one simple practice that's very helpful with chronic worry is to get in the habit of writing your worries down on paper. Another vote for journaling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Seeing your worries written out on paper gives you perspective on them and helps you sort out genuine concerns from irrational worries. Mm -hmm speaking them or writing them down starts to rob them of their power. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that uh, Brene, I'm going to butcher this. Brene Brown says something about shame um, along the lines of it can't, it can't withstand sunlight. Like you bring mm-hmm. it out into the sunlight and it dies. Yep. It's kind of the same thing. If you, if you write out your worries, one, you see how often you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, it's, robs it of its power but also some of the things that we worry about and some of the you know the lists you have in your head and all of that it's just all this noise that you have to hold on to because you're going to forget if you write it down it's there you're not going to forget Mm -hmm. not that we want you to hold on to your worries and (laughs) hold them tight and like you know snuggle up with them at night that's not what we're talking about but if you can get it out of your head a little bit that's helpful very definitely And, you know, that goes for any kind of issue, really. Um, Issues that you have with people, writing things down, writing letters to them helps to get it out of your head. It is on paper, so you don't have to try and remember it. It's there if you ever want to reference it again, Mm -hmm. but you've gotten it out and it's on paper and you can physically see, okay, this is ridiculous or yeah, this is, this is a legitimate worry. What am I going to do about it? Mm-hmm. it? Yeah. It gives you options. Is this something that's worth my time and energy or not? And if it mm-hmm. is, then it's the beginning of a plan mm-hmm. as opposed to a constant spinning. Yeah. Can, I, I think probably something to consider is, can you do something about it? Mm-hmm. So if it's, you know, we need a, a window fixed in our house. Uh, and I'm so worried that this winter it's going to, you know, be really cold and our energy bills are going to be through the roof. Is there something you can do about it? Can you afford to get a new window? If not, can you afford to seal it in some way for the winter so that you're not worrying about that? Um Knowing that you can do something about it is very helpful when it comes to worrying. Mm-hmm. Um, I have worried in the past, you're going to laugh. You're going to just so laugh about this. I have worried in the past about weather. And there is zero, nope, zero <laughs> way of controlling that. Absolutely not. There is literally nothing you can do. All right. you can do is prep for what you will be able to control. Right response to it. You know, we live out here again in the Midwest. (laughs) I'm good at hurricanes, which you can see coming. Okay. (laughs) Let's just start there. They're bigger, they're scarier, they cause more damage, usually. Yeah. Um, tornadoes still scare me. (laughs) But what I can control is I have a designated safe space in Mm -hmm. my house. I have supplies there. I check them when they start running the sirens every Friday. Um, as the season starts, when we have guests staying with us during actually pretty much any time during the year, I tell them something happens. This is where we go. Um, that's the stuff I can control. I cannot control whether or not we have a tornado, right? (laughs) But I can control my response to it and my preparation. 
Am I a hundred percent prepared? Do I have everything I need? <laughs> Probably not. Uh, <laughs> but there's shoes down there. There's food, there's water, there's, you know, lights and things. Um, I have, I have a, it's good enough to settle my worry. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, if I get extra anxious at some point about it and I worry a lot about it, well, I can add more supplies or take more things out of that closet. So there's more room in there. I mean, I have options. Yeah. 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 That those things are in your control. You can okay. control those things. It makes things a lot easier. Uh, when you are worrying, you can yes. stop worrying. Okay. People we've come to number five and it's about boundaries. It is. <laughs> Look at that. It's it as is. If we, as as if we uh, willed it into happening. I Except so. we didn't. It was Nick. Nick made this happen. <laughs> so what Nick. does Nick have to say about this, Angela? Nick says, number five is to practice saying no to other people's requests. This should sound very familiar to yep. you. We, we beat this drum a lot. <laughs> and we firmly believe in it. It does, because when you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. When you're saying yes to somebody else's um, requests, you're saying no to doing things for yourself. Gotcha. Um, So what you learn is you're not as important. And then if you don't have enough energy at the end of the day after saying yes to everybody else, Mm -hmm. now you're not keeping your promises to yourself. Yeah. 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 So if you always promise yourself that you're going to do something and then you don't do it, why would you trust yourself? Right. And uh, you may have great reasons. Like mm-hmm. by the end of the day, you haven't done the thing and you are completely out of energy. I surprised my husband um, a while back by saying to him, well, the way that I'm wired is this. I wake up with all the energy I'm going to have mm-hmm. in, during the day. And if I burn through all of it by doing stuff that I don't need to be doing, then I don't have it for later on. Yeah. And all of a sudden a light bulb went off and he was like, oh, I totally get why when we have big plans in the evening, you're like pretty chill mm-hmm. the day because <laughs> mm-hmm. I need that energy to talk to the people and, and do the things. Yeah. You know, you forget that about introverts and extroverts and how they get their energy that, you know, introverts pretty much have the energy that they're going to have for the day because they don't get energized necessarily by other people. So it's a finite resource resource. (laughs) I'm like, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know if that's the word you were looking for, but that was my, it's perfect. (laughs) It fit in just perfectly. So what's the solution for this people? Getting better at setting boundaries and saying no to other people's requests so that you have enough energy to keep promises to yourself. Yes. I'm sure I sound like I'm repeating myself over and over, and I am, but saying no to other people and setting those boundaries is saying yes to things that you want to do and yes to yourself. And that that breeds trust in yourself when you do it that. Does. It does. Especially when you're a company of one, you need to trust yourself. Mm. You need to make sure that you're managing your time and your energy well. Um, you are your biggest asset. And so this is a huge one. The the bound that's again, that's why we did a three-part series on boundaries. <laughs> Which maybe four. We don't know. We There's don't know. So maybe. much to talk about with boundaries. Yeah, there might be a so fourth much. one at some point. 
Okay. So number six, we're up to number six. There's only three left. What will they be? Number six is replace self-criticism with self-compassion. I know that sounds easier said than done. Oh, everything's easier said than done. <laughs> but what, it, what, why? Tell, tell me why, Angela. Because if you're constantly telling yourself, Cheryl, that you're not good enough or you're criticizing yourself, you might have some issues with feeling like you can trust yourself. True. True. They might go hand in hand. Yeah. Do you ever say stuff to yourself that you would never say to your friends? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How and it got into your head is going to vary by person, but mm -hmm. if it's in there, you don't need it. Yeah. You do not. You do not. So Nick says, if you want to trust yourself more, you, you've got to get a handle on your habit of self-criticism and negative self-talk. This is something I help clients with all the time. And we call it head trash in the coaching world, or at least I do. And it's the garbage that goes around in your head that is not true. Mm -hmm. That really lends itself to self-criticism and you don't need it. You don't need it at all. You really don't. Nope. Yeah. I talk about this a lot with my clients. Actually, I talk about it with my friends too. They'll say yeah. something um, about, you know, like derogatory towards themselves. And my response is always, don't talk about, don't talk about my friend like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. And generally I'm being a little bit funny. But also, please don't talk about my friend like that because she's important to me. And right. by the way, I think nearly 100% of the time that I say it, whoever I'm talking to is female, does identify as female. So I'm saying she on purpose there. Yeah. And we're saying she on purpose because we're talking to women solopreneurs. And I have noticed in working with women and men that women tend to have more of the self-criticism and negative self-talk mm -hmm. um, and less self-compassion. Um, so it's good that we learn these things and that we are consistent with them. Absolutely. Well, I mean, think about it. If you've got a five-year-old and the five-year-old climbs the tree and wants to jump off, if the five-year-old happens to be a little boy people are less likely to stop him unless he's mm -hmm. like really high up and is absolutely going to like break <laughs> something important. If they're a little girl though, we don't let the little girls take risks. Mm -hmm. And so what does that do from the time that we're, that we're born, we're <laughs> a friend of mine says wrapped in bubble wrap. Not all of us <laughs> had this, but she, she did um, wrapped in bubble wrap. And they're not yeah. allowed to do anything. If you can't take any risks, you can't figure out what you're capable of. Mm -hmm. So if that is part of your background, it stands to reason that you're not going to have a lot of compassion or you're going to have criticism because you don't think you can. Mm -hmm. because the world has taught you in some fashion that you can't part of it was I don't want you to be broken or I don't want you to ruin your outfit because we're trying to go somewhere 
Right. It could be any number of reasons. And remember a lot of the stuff that's a lot of the head trash that's in our head was put in there by people who meant very well at the time. It's what we do with it as we grow up and try to find our place in the world that become, becomes the problem. Mm-hmm. So if we're not allowed to take risks <laughs> from the time we're very young, taking them becomes problematic. And it all it all gets tied up in the I can't do it bow, mm-hmm. which is not great. No, no, it's not. So, you know, un- unlearn those limitations that were put on you as a kid uh, from whoever mm-hmm. you can unlearn them just like you learned them. Yep. So you can start by having self-compassion. Basically, as Nick says in this article, which is so well put, good job, Nick. Self-compassion is the simple idea that when faced with doubts, mistakes, or insecurities, you can give yourself the same degree of support and encouragement that you would give to a good friend in a similar situation. Yes. And you would never Um, say those things to a friend as Cheryl. No, no, you would never say those to a friend. Are you trying not to laugh at me? I went, you said, good job, Nick, or whatever it was. And here I am giggling and Angela's voice is totally even as she's telling you what she needs to tell you because she's a professional when I'm being a goofball. I mean, vice versa, of course. But um, in that instance, it was me. I was the goofball. Oh, I love it. It's funny. I'm like trying not to look at you because then I'll laugh. (laughs) I know. I was like, I don't know how she's doing it, but she did it. Just keep reading. Anyway. Just keep reading. (laughs) Anyway. Speaking of emotions, <laughs> good segue. Number seven, we're almost done, is embrace emotional vulnerability. Oh, does that sound scary? I bet you there's some folks out there who are like, nope, 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 mm-hmm. nope, 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 <laughs> not me, nope. Yep. No, thank you. Well, if that's you, let Angela make her case or let Angela make Nick's case and see what you think. Yeah. So because difficult emotions feel painful, as we've said before, our instinct is to avoid them. No one wants to feel pain. But when you distract yourself or numb out difficult feelings, you deprive yourself of the opportunity to practice engaging with them in a healthy way. We all numb ourselves out on occasion with different things. I happen to follow an account on Instagram that is called Sober Celebrities. I don't know how I got started following them, but it's really cool because celebrities who used to be alcoholics and doing all sorts of drugs are now saying, oh my gosh, sobriety is the best thing to happen to me because I'm not numbing out feelings and I'm feeling things now. I'm more engaged with my family. So actually feeling those feelings is healthier than trying to numb them out with something. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm perfect because I certainly have done my share of numbing out difficult feelings and still do, but- Nobody's perfect. We're not going for perfection. (laughs) We'll get to that. Right. But I'm just going to say it right now. We're not going for perfection. Right. We're just going for emotional vulnerability. Just want you to be a little bit more vulnerable. So Nick says one of the best ways to break the habit of emotional avoidance and to start building emotional confidence is the practice of emotional vulnerability. 
And it's pretty straightforward. It just means talking more openly about you, how you feel. So a lot of times when we think about vulnerability, we think of, you know, being stripped naked in front of people and they're all staring at us and, you know, judging us. And maybe I've, maybe I'm the only one who's thought that in the past. You're not the only one who's thought that it's not the first place my head goes, but yeah, everybody's different, but yes, that's an extremely vulnerable thing. Yeah. A very vulnerable thing. And Sorry, honestly, I didn't disagree with you and get you off track. You're fine. You're fine. It's 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 a podcast. We're engaged in conversation, so it's all good. We can also edit this part out. Moving on, sit, make your I point. I don't know that I will. I don't know that I will. So it's just talking a little bit more openly about how you feel, mm-hmm. and we all have a tendency to intellectualize emotions and intellectualize feelings about things instead of just openly talking about how we feel about them. Mm-hmm. I can't even think of an example of how we intellectualize things. Oh, it's not that big a deal. You know, today was a hard day. Okay. But you're still upset. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was a hard day. And because of the way that you experienced that hard day, you're upset. So you don't need to say, oh, it's just a hard day. It's not that big a deal. I shouldn't be upset. But you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's okay. You're allowed to be upset. One of the things, and I don't know where it came from, that we've said in our house for a long time now, especially if somebody comes in and has had a bad day and they're upset and they just like, you know, sometimes when you get to your safe place, all the stuff comes out. We've all learned to say, no, 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 listen, I'm not upset with you. It, you're just, I'm upset and you're nearby. Here's why. Mm-hmm. Um, because what happens is if you're upset and you start taking it out on other people, then they shut down because mm-hmm. they're like, I'm not, you know, I don't, I, they feel blindsided. You know, there's all kinds of wonderful emotions that can come with that. And you're not asking for their help. You're not telling them that they did something wrong. You're upset and they're nearby <laughs> and they're a safe place. Mm-hmm. So might get to a point where you start saying things around people that you didn't before, but now you feel safe doing that. And that's something that might come over time, would probably come over time, actually, depending on your relationship with the people. So if you're upset and they're nearby, it's helpful to be able to say that because it backs them off of reacting. They can now respond and they can say, okay, well, why? Like what, Mm -hmm. tell me what happened. And you can actually process that, which is really helpful. Very, very helpful. Because sometimes you're just, oh, now, because you can start to make connections. Oh, I see why that really upset me. And we can go into family systems Mm -hmm. and all kinds. We have all (laughs) kinds of interesting conversations in my home. I'm not going to lie. My husband and I have both done, have had major career changes and done a lot of work on ourselves and a lot of studying. So we have really cool conversations, including things like family systems. And if you don't know what they are, look them up. They're so fun to talk about. <laughs> oh, they they explain so much. They really do. Because what you think is like, this is my normal response. It is. It is your normal response, but it came from somewhere. Where did it come from? Why is it helpful for you now? If it's not helpful for you, now you know the root of it and you can mm-hmm. work on that. Sometimes mm-hmm. you might want to do that with a therapist. Sometimes you might not. It would depend on what you find and why and how and all of the things that make you unique. Indeed. Don't be afraid to be a little bit vulnerable. No. Okay. 
we're up to number eight. It's the very last one. What will it be? Bet you can guess. I spilled I spilled it before. What is it, Angela? Avoid perfectionism by updating your expectations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. We are humans. Humans are not perfect. We know this. <laughs> not even close. When we try to do things perfectly, occasionally we can. That feels pretty fantastic. But most of the time we can't. And on the times that we can't, what do we say to ourselves? And therein lies the rub. Right. <laughs> exactly. And that is why we don't trust ourselves. So we're going to do something different. A good way to never trust yourself is to set and maintain crazy high expectations for yourself. That's perfectionism just cloaked in a in a different cloak it's when you have high expectations for yourself you might also have them for other people um (laughs) typically when i talk to clients who who are c's on the disc the c has the highest expectations for themselves because Being right and not being criticized are two very big deals to the C on the disc. And of all the letters that I have worked with, all the people I've worked with who have the letter C, I should say, they almost always have very high expectations for themselves. And again, that comes from someone else. That comes from your dad, a teacher, clergy, whoever in your life raised those expectations for you. Now, It's good to have expectations for yourself, but when you have unrealistically high expectations for yourself and you want to be perfect, that's where the trouble comes in. Mm -hmm. Because as Cheryl just said, we're people, we are not perfect by any means. Healthy expectations give you something to aim towards. They give you a place to focus. Unhealthy expectations make you not good enough in every single aspect of Mm -hmm. your life all the time, all day long. And if you're not good enough, do you trust your decisions? Do you trust your choices? Do you trust yourself to figure out what to say in the moment? Of Mm -hmm. course not. Mm -hmm. So you look to other people for reassurance. So you say nasty things. So when somebody says you did a good thing, you don't, it wasn't good enough. So you push, you push it aside, see where this all goes. Yeah. You're just going right through the list. Yep. It all comes back to the same thing. Yep. And you can't be vulnerable. If you're supposed to be perfect, perfect people have no flaws. Therefore, they can't be vulnerable because there's nothing to be vulnerable about. Vicious, vicious tangled web we weave here. Very, very vicious. Not very human. Not very human at all. No. Again, it's you, you don't expect perfection out of other people. So why would you expect it out of yourself? Yeah, exactly. The great news is that there's a solution. And I really like the solution that Nick has come up with here. I have actually never seen this solution before, but I'm going to share it with you. I think it's a great one. So you can identify an area of your life where you tend to have unrealistic expectations for yourself. 
let's say for me, it's probably weight loss. Well, I'm going to do this next week, or I'm going to do this the week after next. Then over the course of a week or two, keep a little notepad. You're going to, you're going to have a lot of notepads from this episode. You're going to have a lot of journals, a lot of notepads. You're going to want to have a lot around you. So over the course of a week or two, keep a little notepad by you and jot down any expectations you notice of yourself or your work as they come up throughout the day. And then next, you're going to scan your list and pick one or two unrealistic ones. And then you're going to restructure those expectations to be more realistic. Literally rewrite them in a way that's less extreme. Then whenever you notice those expectations pop up in your self-talk, you can catch yourself and substitute the more realistic version. So this is just reframing, reframing your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're actually writing some of them out and writing them out allows you to see it and realize that it's it's unrealistic and it's not an expectation that you can necessarily keep for yourself because it's unrealistically high. Do you ever write expectations down, Cheryl? I'm just asking you this, like, in general, because I've never heard this. plans down. I don't know that I've ever written down the things that I expect of myself, or I, I've, I've never framed it that way mm-hmm. when I'm writing things out. Um, I think this is a really interesting exercise. I really do. I do um, too. I've I've struggled definitely with perfectionism throughout my life. Um, I'm better at it now. I'm much more willing to say to myself, like, nope, we gave our best today. Let's go. Let's move. <laughs> Sometimes good enough is good enough. We don't have mm-hmm. the difference between good and perfect can sometimes be one percent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am not beating myself up over one percent if mm-hmm. the difference was 50 percent, you can bet that i would absolutely do that mm-hmm. i would absolutely try a lot harder <laughs> right generally the difference between good and perfect is less than five percent for me and if i've got the time it's going to give me enough satisfaction it has to be a certain amount of satisfaction mm-hmm. um to to strive closer to perfection than yes but for the most part, I, I I don't, at least not anymore. I did. Oh my, did yeah. I. There was a right way to do everything. And there was a perfect way to do everything. And here's the thing. When you're in school, you get right. there are right answers. You get grades. You can get a quote, perfect 4.0. There are reasons why we have this stuff in our head, folks. <laughs> We've been taught that perfection is possible. And yes, on that hundred question math test, it is because a math test has actual right answers. But does the English essay? Yes and no. Depends on the parameters. Does life? No, 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 there's no, you don't get a grade. And this is where it comes in to start. This this is where a lot of it came from for me. Mm -hmm. I will speak for myself. I have a feeling that I'm speaking for others as well, but just for me, especially since I really liked math because there really was a right answer and I could do it perfectly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 
So I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Well, that's why I went into research and statistics and why I like numbers because numbers have answers. Now I love people and I love understanding now, especially, you know, what, what makes people tick and why is everybody different? And I think that's super cool. But early in life, I really liked the, I can get a right answer. I can checky, checky, check box and move on. Like I knew yeah. that my, my math homework was done because I finished. Yeah. Like I got into the bottom of it. Yeah. Um, so that, that I really enjoyed. But yeah. it did wheel on a perfectionism into me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Well, and when you're a kid, when you're in school, it's good to learn those things that have answers that have right and wrong. Sure. But as you get older, you realize life is not black and white. There is a hell of a lot of gray. A lot of gray. It's not just even gray. It's like all the colors. Right. Right. Which is awesome. And that's why I, that's why I help people do what, what I help people do, which is to travel and to go and see that Mm -hmm. there are entirely different ways of doing things. And those folks are still living beautiful, full lives. Mm -hmm. Don't have to do it your way or just the way you were taught. Find a way that works for you. So that's, that's why I do what I do now. And it speaks to me on a much deeper level Mm -hmm. than um, all that algebra ever did. Exactly. So one of the examples that one of the examples that Nick cites in number eight is that it's hard to trust yourself and feel confident to quit smoking if your standard is that you will never have another cigarette again. And I don't smoke, but I can relate that to food and dieting. That if you say, I am going to be on a diet the rest of my life, I am going to eat healthy forever that's setting a very, very unrealistically high expectation for yourself for the rest of your life. It's going to be a little tricky to get into that and trust yourself to lose weight or to eat healthy if that's your parameter, if if it's mm-hmm. that high. Absolutely. Because the next time you go to your like two-year-old niece's birthday party and your six-year-old niece comes and brings you a cupcake and hands it to you, auntie, please have a cupcake. Yeah. And then you decide I'll have a bite. Now you're a failure, (laughs) not a failure. Right. You went to a celebration and you had a bite of a Mm -hmm. cupcake. Mm -hmm. We're catastrophizing things. Right. Right. That's not helpful for anybody. No, no, no. And again, that goes back to black and white thinking that it's all or nothing. Yeah. And there's no all or nothing. There is no all or nothing. It's all in between. (laughs) There are certain things that you either are or you aren't, but they are very few and far between. (laughs) That's for sure. So I hope you have enjoyed today's show. We were pretty excited to do it and I'm still pretty excited about it. And I definitely want to do the writing down unrealistic expectations for myself. If you decide you want to do this exercise and you want to share with us how it went, email us. We'd love to know. We're at soulpowerpodcast at gmail.com. That's S-O-L-E power podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Cheryl, anything else? Um, we'd love for you to subscribe and write us a review that helps more people find us. Yes. So we can help, uh, more members of our solopreneur community. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Like subscribe, comment, all of the stuff. 
You've been listening to the Soul Power Podcast with Angela Jordan and Cheryl Burke. Soul Power theme song composed by Gabriel Harley.